So my name is Mark, I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central and we're going to get straight into reading from scripture this morning. So if you have a Bible, you might want to turn to the book of uh, the letter to the Ephesians, um, chapter 4, and we're going to read it and uh, the words will be on the screen as well. And it says this, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which has been corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. We've been going through Paul's letter to the Ephesians together and Paul is now getting into some of the practical application of the wonderful truths that he's been speaking about in the earlier chapters. He's been speaking about great themes such as grace of God, uh, being in Christ, the church. And last time, as we've just read, he was urging us not to live like others in our society, but instead to put off your old self, like they were stinky clothes, which would be far better off not wearing, and to put on our new self to be created like God in holiness. And then after that big build-up, of several chapters and all of that, what one specific does Paul go on to speak about first? He says this, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. In other words, stop telling lies, tell each other the truth. That's not actually the right verse, that was the last week's um, message, or two weeks ago's message. Um, so it's stop telling lies, tell each other the truth. Um, maybe I kept that slide up or maybe we've got the wrong slide. I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, if you were a kid here and you were at Kids Club two weeks ago, you will know that is the memory verse we did at Kids Club two weeks ago. Um, and uh, I wasn't here, but I, uh, I had a little tune that we used to remember it. I don't think it's actually the tune that you did. Um, which went, stop telling lies, tell each other the truth. Stop telling lies, Ephesians 4.25. You can remember it like that. Um, but don't you think it's a strange thing for Paul to be thinking about, first of all? Is that the first thing that's going to come to his mind? The, the Ephesian church, you know, he's got all these great truths. Now we're going to get into some practical things. And he says to them, you know, stop lying. I mean, did he think the Ephesian church was just full of liars? What's he thinking about here? But lying is a huge part of our society. It's a huge part of society that Paul's urging us not to be a part of. I wonder whether you can remember a lie that you might have told um, that you still might feel bad about. And as I was preparing this week, my mind went back to when I was 12 years old. And... Uh, I had just started getting interested in doing conjuring tricks, you know, card tricks, other things like that. And I bought a book and I was reading through this book to see some tricks that I could do on my parents. 
And I found this one, and I'm going to reenact it this morning. Yes. Don't get too excited. <laughs> was this, was, this was pretty basic. It involved a bread roll and, uh, and a coin. And basically, what this trick was, it was a very basic trick. It said, what you have to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the secret now. Uh, it said, what you have to do, you have to make a little hole. I've already done this in advance. A little hole in the bottom of the bread roll, and you have to kind of palm the coin. I haven't even practiced this. And basically, it doesn't really matter, because I'm not. He said, basically, you, you hide the coin there like that. And then you've got your bread roll, and you, you're at the dinner table or whatever. Maybe it's your Thanksgiving meal. We had some friends around, so we had a family gathering. So I thought this was a good opportunity to do this trick. And he says, and then you, you kind of open your bread roll, you break it open, and then you're like, oh, look, there's, some, oh, there's a coin in my bread. At 12 years old, I thought this was going to be a pretty impressive trick. Okay, this was the start of a great career. Uh, <laughs> you can tell why I've ended up as a pastor. Um, <laughs> anyway, I opened this coin up in front of everyone, uh, this bread roll, and actually it wedged, like, it, like I've put it here, it actually wedged in the dough of the... Uh, it, it was supposed to pop up out of, the, out of the roll, but it didn't, it just wedged in. And everyone was chatting, and I was like, oh no, I've not even got their attention. So I, I said, look, 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 there's a coin in my bread roll. At which point, my mum said, that's terrible. I bought that bread from the bakers this morning. You could have choked on that. Because <laughs> she didn't even know I got this book. At that point, a good thing to have done would have been like say, no, 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 it's a trick. But I didn't. <laughs> so everyone's there. And then everyone else starts talking about how awful it is that the baker has baked in. It's baked in. You can tell it's baked in, my mum's saying. <laughs> Who am I to argue? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. I quickly switch tack. No, it's terrible, terrible. Everyone's, and my mum says, right, Monday morning, I am going down to the bakers and I am going to tell them what has happened. And I'm like, okay. And, and I thought, maybe I should tell her the truth. But I didn't. Monday morning came, she went down to the bakers. She told them, and she, she, said, she came back and she said, I gave them what for, she said. Uh, she said, they were denying it. They said it couldn't have been them. I said, I saw it with my own eyes. It was there in the bread roll. It was baked in. <laughs> She said they, they, they apologised, she said they gave me my money back, they gave me some free cakes and free bread. <laughs> She's got all this bread out and everything. And I'm like, oh, okay. There you go. And uh, I never told her. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, Mom, sorry. <laughs> this came back to me this week, so I felt I needed to just uh, confess. <laughs> it was a successful trip. It was a trick. It was quite profitable. <laughs> but we, we've actually been saved out of a world which is basically deceitful. I mean, that, that was just something that went wrong. I'd not intended to do it, but I certainly didn't tell the truth. But we're, we're, we're slaves to sin. We were slaves to sin. We're basically following the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, who is the devil. And what do we know about the devil? 
John chapter 8 and verse 44 tells us there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Lying is the devil's native language. It comes naturally to him. He hates the truth. He's always twisting it. We've already heard from Debbie this morning that we can end up believing lies that we don't belong to Jesus, even when we know we, we are, that we're an imposter, that we can't be loved by God. Yet those are the lies of the enemy because there's nothing that you've done that cannot be forgiven because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. What, lie, what language do people speak in hell? Lies. And we were slaves to the father of lies. So lying became natural to us. And because we were born into that, we also believe lies. Paul talks about what happened in Romans chapter 1 and verse 25. It says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. Exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And people today are still committed to that. Many people don't worship the creator. They believe that that matter created itself, that this world and everything in it came about by accident and so people worship nature and they worship created things. They believe a lie. They don't want God and they say they don't need God. I was at the market yesterday at the cheese counter and uh, I was ordering my cheese. This guy next to me, he was standing there and the, and the woman behind the counter said to him, you know, well, what can I get you? And he was completely distracted. He was just kind of lost in his thoughts. So she asked him again and he said, oh, sorry, sorry, my mind was elsewhere. And she said, uh, you were thinking about cheeses. To which he responded, no, I wasn't. Uh, and she said, oh, okay, I just thought. And he said, and he said why would I be thinking about Jesus? <laughs> and so I explained to him that she said Jesus and not Jesus. <laughs> it was quite a funny moment. But then, <laughs> but then it, he said, I don't want to think about that nonsense. And I was like, oh, yeah. You see, the truth becomes nonsense and lies become believed. That's what the world's given itself over to. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. Our society and culture tell us all sorts of things about ourselves, but they're lies. We see this deception going right back to our ancestors, Adam and Eve. God creates the world and everything in it, and it's good, and he creates Adam and Eve, and he tells them that they may eat the fruit of any tree from the garden except the tree from the fruit, uh, the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If they eat that one, then they will die. And then the devil in the form of a serpent comes into the garden and says to Eve, did God really say you mustn't eat the tree from the tree, any tree in the garden? Well, that's already a distortion of the truth because God didn't even say that. The woman corrects him, but the serpent lies again. You won't surely die. You're not going to die. The enemy, the devil is contradicting God's word. And then it says, and when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And there we have it. The lie believed. God says no. She says, but it looks so good. And she believes the lie of the serpent and she takes it. And that lie has been believed time 
and time again. It looks so good. So we're going to believe how it looks. We're going to believe our appetites. We're going to believe our desires and not believe God. And we tell ourselves, it's okay. won't do us any harm. It'll make me feel really good. I'll know when to stop. I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to be true to myself. All of these things which are lies from the enemy, some more subtle than others, they believe today. Then God comes into the garden and so Adam and Eve hide and God says, where are you? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? At that point, the correct answer from Adam would be yes. But instead, he deflects. He blames others. Oh, the, the woman you put here with me gave it to me. She gave me some fruit and I ate it. He blames Eve. He blames God. The woman you put here gave me the fruit and I ate it. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I'm, I'm not to blame. Why don't you blame, blame Eve? Why are you looking at me? She took it first. Then God asks Eve what happened. And again, the simple answer would be, I sinned. But again, no, 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 it's the serpent's fault. Blame shifting. They tried to hide from God. Now they're trying to hide from the truth. The devil has now fathered them. And so they start following in his ways. And so centuries later, we still do it from birth. We have a natural instinct to lie. We have a natural tendency to avoid the truth or evade the truth or add to the truth. Very rarely will we give a simple confession, I was wrong. Yet God is truth. There's nothing deceptive about him. Jesus says in John chapter 17 and verse 3, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And in verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them, in other words, make them clean, by the truth. Your word is truth. You don't have to look for the hidden agenda with God. There's nothing deceptive about him. He's truth. And because he's truth, he exposes lies. And that's where it gets uncomfortable for us. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5 says about God, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. And he will expose the motives of the heart. Even things that can look good on the outside. We can look good on the outside, but maybe our motives are not pure. God is going to expose those one day. Can you imagine being face to face with that truth? Things you've hidden away, things you've not faced up to, secret agendas you've had, you've, things you've covered up to make yourself look better. The truth is it's all going to be exposed. Now if we're in Christ, there'll be no condemnation but it will all be exposed. All the lies in the world, lies that politicians make, everything's going to be exposed. All the things the media tells us, advertising designed to make us spend their money on them, all the lies, distortions of truth, even hype about events, even Christians' conferences. I've seen Christian conferences hype up events. Actually, someone I worked with once in a church um, said, oh, I really love hype. It really motivates me. It's like, what are you talking about? Because hype is exaggerating the benefits of something. 
Come to our church weekend. It's going to change your life. You'll never be the same. If you miss it, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. Sign up on, <laughs> online. <laughs> but God doesn't do that. God isn't a God of hype. He's a God of total integrity. Everything about him is 100% genuine, 100% true. And our experience of God begins when we face the truth. Because the first thing that we have to do to come into a relationship with God is accept the truth about ourselves. To repent, to face up, to actually, we need a saviour. God says we need a saviour. God says that we are dead in our sins. God says that we can do nothing in and of ourselves to have a relationship with God. We can think we're fine. No, to come to a relationship with God, we have to accept God's truth, the truth about ourselves. And then turn away from all that. Turn away from all the lies that we were living and believing to accept and own up to the error of our life, to, to realize it's not nonsense. Jesus is not nonsense, he's the truth. And then we turn to him. He's the way, the truth, the life. And we don't go back to our old ways, we continue on in the truth, being quick to confess our sin, not being like Adam and Eve, evading, trying to blame others. There's always that temptation though. There's always that temptation to slip back into the lies and deception, which presumably is why Paul's highlighting it here in this verse. Because we can still be very quick to blame others when we do wrong. And we can all do it. I'm certainly aware of that in my own life. I'm certainly not setting myself above anyone else. When we preach, we preach what the Word of God says and we all hold ourselves accountable to that. And I'm no different to anyone else in that. We all can end up making excuses for why we did wrong. We can blame shift. We can put it on other people. Well, my friends tempted me to do it. We can even blame God. God, why didn't you stop me from doing that thing? We can say that our actions and what we've done is because of our past or because of the church and what, how the church has heard us. But we need to face up to the truth and say, I did wrong. Because we all can do wrong sometimes and we have to be quick to admit it. First John chapter one and verse eight says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we haven't sinned, we make him out to be a liar. We have to be quick to confess and admit fault. And we have to also live our lives in line with who we are in Christ. John says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. If our, life, our lives can be a lie, you see, we can say, we believe in Jesus. Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the savior. I believe I'm forgiven by him. But if we don't live in his ways, we're walking out a different way, actually we're lying. And we're making him out to be a liar because, because he's the one who can change us. He's the one who transforms us. But we're not showing that in our lives. Well, we're making him out to be a lie, a liar. We don't live out the truth. John says we're living a lie. But Paul here in Ephesians is mainly talking about the truth that we speak to one another. And again, it's easy to slip into not being truthful with people. Maybe I might have a conversation with 
someone and I say to them, oh, do you know what, we, we missed you at Life Group the other day. It was really sad not to see you at Life Group or haven't seen you on a Sunday for a while. And they might say, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, do you know what, I've had a lot of work on. I've been studying for exams. It's really important to study. Or they might say, oh, yeah, yeah, I've not made it out in the evenings to Life Group because, um, you know, I just felt it was important to spend more time with my family. Um, or we might say, oh, something came up. I had a prior engagement. And I might think, okay, well, that's fair enough. Those are all reasonable things. You know, you've got to study. It's important to study. That's good, good reason. It's important to spend time with family. Yep, no problem. No problem at all. But you may not have told me the real reason. They may be just excuses that someone's told me. Maybe the real reason was, you know, you'd rather watch the maple leaves get knocked out of the Stanley Cup. Or you might not be in a very good place with God. And you feel, actually, I'm, I'm just going to feel uncomfortable. I don't feel like, I, if I go to the prayer meeting, I'm just going to feel out of place. I'm going to feel uncomfortable. I'm not doing very well. It's going to make me feel worse. I'm going to stay at home. Maybe you say, oh, I can't come to the church weekend because I've got a family matter to deal with. But the real reason might be, actually, you don't really want to spend a weekend with the church. Because that, that, you know, you just don't want to do that. Now, of course, I'm not saying all those reasons that might be given are always lies, by the way. <laughs> Next time someone says that to you, it might be the truth. Um, I'm just saying we can easily pick one of those things to cover up the real thing that's going on in us. And, and in our mind, it might be just acceptable. Oh, I can, I'm just going to say this. It's actually a lie. We'll come back to that in a minute and just look at how we can... How, how actually that stops us moving on from, with God. Another thing we can do is we can pass on gossip about one another. Did you know that Mark said so-and-so to this person? Oh, I, oh, I didn't know that. Actually, that's interesting. And we pass it on, and then that person passes it on. Oh, did you realize that Mark said this and did this? And we can add a little extra onto it. I think I've mentioned before how a rumor went around a previous church that I was in. This was when I was quite a lot younger. And uh, they, the rumor was that Debbie and myself were involved in the occult. And uh, the, the reason was because I did kind of conjuring tricks. <laughs> Mark's into magic. Did you know Mark's into magic? He's part of the magic circle. That's evil. It's deceptive. It's all very secretive. I'm not sure you could call producing a coin from a bread roll evil. Um, <laughs> but actually, that gossip that went around the church had a huge effect on how people related to myself and Debbie. Or rather, didn't want to relate to me. People backed away from us. Friends distanced themselves from us because this rumor and gossip had gone around. When we spread rumors and gossip about people, we are doing the work of the devil. Because the word devil literally means slanderer. And that's what he does about God. He slanders God. He tells lies about God. So we have to be careful that we don't do the devil's work. And that we don't slander God's people. Paul says we must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to one another. Because we're members of one body. We're united in Christ who is our head. 
And Paul's addressing it first because actually everything else depends on it. If we don't speak truthfully to each other, well, what are we building on? What is the church building on? The world builds upon lies. The church can't afford to do that. We are built together as members of one body. When we lie to each other, we attack our own body. We destroy our own body. We can only grow together in God if we tell the truth to each other. If we're at life group and someone asks how we are, we can make something up. Oh, I'm fine, I'm just a bit tired. Or we can be honest about what's really going on in our lives. Actually, I'm really struggling with so-and-so. Which of those responses leads to growth in God? The honest one. Because then we can pray for each other and we can respond to each other in grace and love and forgiveness if needed. We can speak the truth of God's word into the situation. But if we hide the truth, then we're not growing and maturing. We're keeping others at a distance. If you make excuses about not coming to the prayer meeting, but the real issue is you feel uncomfortable in people praying out loud or praying out loud yourself, actually admitting that to someone brings an opportunity to be able to get over that and to be able to move on. Because people might be able to help you with that. The church can only really grow when people have learned to be honest with each other. If we politely tell lies, avoid the truth, we're always just relating to each other on a very superficial basis. And when we tell the truth, we have to tell the truth and take responsibility ourselves rather than blaming others. Well, do you know what? Okay, I'll tell you the truth. The real reason I didn't come to church on Sunday is Mark was preaching. And he's just in Ephesians the whole time. And I'm just sick of it. So I just can't face it again. I'm staying at home. You might think that's honest. It's actually just blaming others. So many needs in the church can be addressed if we're honest and say what's going on. We don't have to tell the whole church, but we need to be honest with someone. I wonder how many needs there are in this room which have never really been addressed and that people are struggling with just because they've never been able to tell someone the truth about what's going on in their life. It was great to hear this morning, wasn't it, from Nancy and just being so honest about her story. But she was honest at the time as well. She was honest at the time. There was any number of reasons she might have just thought, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm struggling with this, but I can't tell people. I've already had two kids. What would they think? I'm not going to say. She didn't. She turns to Joe and was it Kelly? Uh, will you pray for me? Okay, this is where we're at. Yes, we can pray for you. But I wonder how many things there are that have never been said, even in this room. Things that have hurt us, affected us, unforgiveness which we've allowed to affect everything things that people have done to us which we've kept hidden, things that have held us back in our walk with God for years. But instead, we just say, oh, we're fine, and things continue to go undealt with. So we're all members of one body. If we're to grow as that body, if we're to affect the world that we live in, we have to begin to speak the truth to one another. We have to come out from behind the mask, and then the grace of God can work in our lives. So how do we apply all of this to our lives? Well, just as we close, 
Here's a few practical things. Firstly, when we're told something about someone, ask yourself whether you know that to be absolutely true for yourself. Were you there at the time? Did you need to hear this? Is it helpful to you? Just be very careful about spreading rumor and gossip and hearsay, both listening to it and then speaking it yourself. I remember very early on in my Christian life, um, there was a mature Christian friend who I happened to be sharing a house with, and I was about to tell him some gossip, which I'd heard from someone. I thought this is a really juicy piece of gossip as well. Um, so I, anyway, I thought I'll preface it. So I, said, I started off saying, oh, I said, uh, I'm not sure whether I should tell you this, but, and as I said that, he just said, well, don't then. And he pulled me up really short. I was like, oh, but he goes, no, no. He said, you're not sure whether you should tell me that, so I don't want to hear it. He said, it's better that you don't. And I thought, oh, he's right. He's right. He didn't need to hear it. I really appreciated him saying it. Don't just believe hearsay. If you hear something about someone and it's bothering you and it's troubling you and it's affecting your relationship with them or what you think about them, go to them directly. It won't be an easy conversation necessarily, but go to them directly and ask them. If it wasn't for one person coming to us when all the rumors were getting spread about me being involved in the occult, if someone hadn't been honest and said, you know what, Mark, I've heard these things, they're, they're concerning to me, are they true? I wouldn't have been able to say, no, they are not true, and the problem wouldn't have got addressed, and things would have just spread and got worse, and it would have damaged the church even more, and it would have damaged uh, us. Don't listen and believe rumors and hearsay if you don't know they are true. Don't get defensive on someone else's part, behalf if, if they've been hurt by someone. Find out the facts. And sometimes you won't even be able to find out the facts. But still, think the best of people, I would say. Sometimes people have come up to me and they say, oh, I heard that uh, you said this, or that so-and-so, or you did this, or this happened. And it, it might not be true, and it, let's say it's not true, but they've said they've heard this. But actually, I might not be able to tell them exactly what happened because by telling them I would be saying things about other people. It might be true but actually it wouldn't be helpful. Years ago a wife uh, once came to us and said, oh I hear that you've been saying these things to my husband and these things about my husband and actually what she'd heard, her husband had basically lied to her about the conversation that had happened. And we, we, could, we said it's not true. Well, what did you say? Well, what is the truth then? Well, we didn't tell her exactly what happened because actually that would have been throwing her husband under the bus and that would have caused a major issue in their marriage. And we just thought, you know what? It's for him to say. You need to ask him. And he, he still blamed us. He, said he, he carried on in the lie. Sometimes we can't say the truth, but you can still think the best of someone unless you know something for certain. Secondly, be quick to apologize. Don't make excuses. It's a that's a difficult one to do. In the Old Testament, King David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then she got pregnant by him. And her husband was out to war, and he was like, oh gosh, you know, it's clearly not going to be his child. 
So anyway, he he came up with all this idea about how to how to get out of it, but it didn't work. And so he thought the only way I can get out of this is I'm going to get the husband killed. So he got the husband killed. He, got, he sent him out to the front line of the battle. He was killed. He's never going to find out. David's thinking, I've got away with it. And then Nathan the prophet came to him and told him a story about a rich man who uh, didn't kill one of his own sheep for food, uh, but he took the lamb of a very poor man to prepare a meal for someone else. And David was furious about this story. And he said, well, that man, this was his only sheep. That man must die. And Nathan said to him, you're the man. Because his story was really about what David had done. What was David's response? To make excuses? David just says, I have sinned against the Lord. I've sinned against the Lord. Simple admittance, I've sinned. And Nathan says, the Lord has taken away your sin. That's what it's about. We can confess our sin. I've sinned against the Lord and we can know right away the Lord has taken away your sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us of all unrighteousness. We need to be able to confess our wrongdoing with honesty, simplicity, without excuses, and then we receive forgiveness from God. And thirdly, be truthful in what you say. Don't cancel on someone and say, oh, I had a prior commitment, just because you've got a better offer. Be honest with people about where you're at. You don't have to tell everyone, but don't keep things hidden. Get help in moving on and overcoming the thing which is holding you back. Paul's already said in verse 17 of Ephesians 4, it's futile to live as others in our society do. We have to reject futility. And it's futile, it's pointless to say, that you want to grow in God if you're not prepared to face the truth. It's futile to try and disciple someone if they're not going to tell you the truth. It's futile to try and help someone if they're not going to tell you how things really are. It's futile trying to build a church if everyone hides behind masks. We must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Therefore, each one of us must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. It's humbling. It's humbling to admit the truth when we've been hiding it, but actually it's such a relief to do it. We can live for so long with so many lies and guilty secrets and it eats away at us and it, it really does hinder our relationship with God, our walk with God. The writer to Hebrews says, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles as we run the race that God set out before us. God sees everything anyway. It's all going to come to light. He wants us to be free now. He wants us to be free now. He wants us to be forgiven. He wants us to be able to walk in the freedom that he has won for us on the cross. We don't need to pretend to be more spiritual than we are, to be more successful than we are. We can say, actually, do you know what? This is where I keep struggling. These are the problems I face. This is where I keep failing. And then we can start to walk in the truth. That's why this issue is so important to Paul. Because it actually strikes at the heart of who we are. So we need to deal with it. We need to build God's church together. You know, the world is a broken world. But actually there was one who could fix it. There was one who could mend it. 
and he will restore it and he can mend our hearts he can mend our lives he can speak truth to us so that we start living in truth as we follow him why don't we pray together I'm just going to ask the band to come back up as we close but let's pray this this can be a hard one you know when Paul starts getting specific about things and uh, maybe God's been just speaking to you today maybe he's been convicting you of a few things maybe things have come to mind you need to know this isn't condemnation when God does that he's not condemning you there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus he's not saying these things to condemn you he's saying these things so you can be dealing with them and you can walk in freedom that he's won for you so don't ignore don't push down these things there may be things today that you have to deal with you have to just be honest before God and before others Father God I just pray that you will the words that you want to communicate from your word I pray that they will work in our hearts Lord, I pray we will respond to your promptings. I pray we will be able to walk in truth and life. Oh God, we don't want to be hidden. We don't want to be blaming. We don't want to be deceptive. Lord, we want it, we want it to be open before you. You don't call us, you don't say you have to be perfect. But you call us to be vulnerable and to be open and to receive all that you have for us. So this morning we pray, come by your Holy Spirit and work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand together and just worship God as we close.